my purpose here on this earth is to teach women to create fully free, incredibly profitable lives and businesses where they can live out their own life to their truest extent of their essence and money is required for that. Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode. Today on the podcast, I am interviewing Katie Stewart, who is one of my mutuals, one of my colleagues who I absolutely adore. She is somebody that, you know, when you just find someone online and you're like, um, I think that we should be best friends. <laughs> I like everything you're saying. I agree with it. I say similar things. And I was on her podcast a while back and we just hit it off and I knew it was time to have her on mine. So she came on today for an amazing conversation around energetics and strategy and how she has built her business to a place where not only is it generating 100K months, how crazy is that, you guys? Not only has she retired her husband, but she is also able to take her husband and her daughter and they spend a good portion of their time living in Paris. She duels between Paris and the U.S. and amazing, the dream, fully living it out. And you guys will be able to just hear through the screen, through the podcast, through her microphone, how beautiful of this feminine energy that she has dropped into. And she is just so good at this stage of her life and this stage of her business receiving and making things beautiful and making things feel luxurious and spacious. And we get into all of it, how she has done it, how she has designed it, what her mindset is around it. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear what she has to say. Specifically, Katie is a holistic business and energetics coach for women building six and multi six figure businesses online. She believes in building a business that supports your most freedom filled life. And that is exactly what we talk about on the episode. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello, Katie. Welcome to She Leads First. How are you doing? Hi, Emily. I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, thanks for being here. I am so excited to have you here. I feel like I just get to live vicariously through you on your Instagram. You are living, I feel like, the Parisian dream going back and forth between there and Virginia. I feel like you have figured something out and you are doing something right. <laughs> and so the last time I saw you posting about it, I was like, I think I need to get her on the podcast and I think she needs to teach everybody how she has created this beautiful life and this amazing business where she gets to split half of her time in Paris? Or is it half your time in Paris? It looks like that from watching. And I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much for saying that. It's really such an honor to be here. And I love that we've been able to be on each other's podcast now at this mm -hmm. point, 
And I just really admire you. I love the way you do business. And when you asked me to come on today to chat about this, I was, it was just like full body. Yes. So thank you. Really, really grateful to be here. And I'm not currently splitting my time (laughs) half and half. I wish that is something I'm manifesting. If we're currently spending between like one and two months in Paris, we've done, we did like six ish week the first time. And then last time we did four weeks. And as of right now, I'm going to and from Paris to host my VIP days. But in the future, we're definitely looking at the potential of buying some property there that we can use as an Airbnb and that we can go, you know, and stay. So definitely looking at continuing to expand our time there and our options with how we stay and when we go and how often we get to go and just really fell in love with the city and feel so incredibly grateful that the job I have allows me to have that kind of flexibility. Absolutely. And I mean, you built it that way and we will get into all of that in a second. But for everybody listening who might not know you, who is we when you are referring to we? So when I'm referring to we, I'm referring to myself, my husband, and our little girl. So when I say we are going to Paris, it's a whole family thing. You know, it's it's definitely a business trip because I am going to meet clients. So we can, I'm sure, get into this a little bit more too, but I really started to feel called to run high-level VIP days in Paris. Not this last time, but over a year ago now. And I had this dream of living part-time in Paris, being able to go for a month or two or three or even six at a time, and just really knew that there was a way I could leverage my business to not only, obviously I have the freedom and I have the financial freedom as well, not just time freedom to be able to do that, but it was also like, how can I leverage this to really be able to, number one, share this experience with my high-level clients, but also really be able to use this as a business trip. And so as of now, our our trips to Paris are built around my client VIP days, but we go as a family. So we load up my husband and our little toddler and we all get on the plane together and we go live in a sweet little apartment in Paris part-time. That is so amazing. Can I ask one, why Paris? And two, was your husband on board for this when you started to pitch the idea to him? What did that look like? No, he was not on board. Okay, so I don't really have an answer. (laughs) I've never, I've traveled, I've traveled in my life, and I, but I had never been to France. And I don't know that I was one of those people that had that super romantic, like, oh, Paris, like the Eiffel Tower, but it, something about Paris was really calling to me. And I didn't really know why until I got there. And now I'm obviously like, Mm. oh, like, it almost felt like a soul contract or something that like, obviously it was calling to me because there was something for me there. I understand that so deeply. And I just got so excited hearing you say that because anytime somebody asks me, why did you move to Los Angeles? Cause I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin originally. So very okay. far away. I'm like, I don't have a reason for you. I just knew I needed to be there. And I explain it the same way where I'm like, there was something I needed to learn here. Like there was a piece of a contract here that I needed to come and live out and learn and experience. But also now I feel like I'm done here. <laughs> so I'm ready to move. So maybe you'll see me in Paris, but I get that so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, 100%. So your husband. Oh, my husband. Yeah. You said he wasn't on board. <laughs> no, 
here's the thing. My husband is the most supportive man in the entire world. Like I'm head over heels for him, but also he can be a little grumpy. And so he's like, we're going to put our toddler on the plane. Like this is going to be so long. Do we have to go for a month? And he had never been to Europe. And so, you know, for our first trip, we get there and I'm like, Paris, like my soul is on fire. Like, this is incredible. Like, you know, I I talk to a lot of people now how I truly feel Paris is a portal for me. Every time I go, it's like, I have these huge up levels. I make so much money when I'm in Paris. Like my business thrives, like I thrive. And my husband didn't experience that the first time we went and he was kind of having a little bit of culture shock. I think the travel with our little one was a little bit tough and just being out of our daily routines, out of our homes for that long, right? Because when you go for a month or six weeks or two months, or now we're talking about six months for our next trip, it's like, that's not really a vacation. That's kind of feels like you've yeah. almost like moved somewhere for a little while and I think that was a little tough for him the first time. And then once we came home and we were planning the next round of VIP days and we were talking about going back, he started to be like, I miss Paris. Like, I do want to go back for a month. And I was like, it got to you too. (laughs) So so he's fully on board now. We're talking about potentially going for six months at the end of this year. That's fantastic and incredible. And I'm so glad that he came around to Paris. When, well, I know half of the answer to my question here because I've seen you share on your Instagram that you have retired your husband. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's a Which full, is full stay at home dad for our little girl. Phenomenal. So, was he ever working on those first trips or had he already been re- retired when you guys started to do those? No, he was, he was already retired and our little girl's only three. So when we, you know, when we travel and when we go, it's not like where she goes to like nursery school, but she's not, we're not like pulling her from, you know, fifth grade or something. And yeah, he's a, he's a stay at home dad. So there's no one in our family that has to like request time off or take leave, or we can kind of just go whenever we're ready. I'm going to ask this purely from a genuine curiosity and a feminine energetics perspective, I think it's phenomenal that you've retired your husband. And I have such a similar goal. And me and my partner, we talk about it all the time. He's ready for me to retire him. Like (laughs) It's a goal that we're working towards. But I know and I've heard this expressed from a lot of women. So I want to open up the dialogue just a little bit with whatever your experience has been and you're comfortable to share of what was the dynamic like for that, becoming the sole breadwinner of the family? Was there a hard time with the shift? Was it very natural? What was that experience like for the two of you? Yeah, so both, both and. So there was Mm -hmm. definitely a natural flow to it. We had just moved into our new home here in Virginia. My husband was working. I was obviously working from home. And we had just a few kind of weird things happen with nannies and we just couldn't really find someone who was like the perfect fit. And my husband wasn't super happy in his job. And it started off as like, let's just try this. Let's just, you know, you don't want to work this job anymore anyway in the interim. Like, why don't you just stay home? Our little girl only goes to school for a couple hours a day. We bought a really historic home that needs a lot of renovation. And my husband is very good at that type of thing. So I was like, you can work on house projects, get some of this stuff done. Our bathroom was under renovation. Like it was just a lot. And so I was like, why don't you stay home while she's in school? You can do house projects, grocery shopping, cleaning, do all of the things. When she comes home, you can be with her till I'm off. 
And then we won't have to stress about this nanny situation right now. Like it'll all work itself out. And it just so happened that in that interim, my income like quantum leaped in a huge way. And I was able to just be like, you actually, if we don't want to hire a nanny and you just want to keep this going, let's just keep it going. And so it just kind of what started off as what might be temporary just kind of felt really right and felt really good for our family. And we just kept moving forward with it. And I will say I didn't expect any resistance to come up around being the breadwinner or, you know, any feelings. Cause obviously in a logical way, you never have that thought in your head of like, Oh, well, do I actually have the belief that if I earn more than my spouse, this is going to mess up our dynamic? Or do I actually hold the belief of like, women shouldn't be the breadwinners in the family. And in a logical sense, you're like, no, of course I don't believe that. Like it's 2023. Mm -hmm. Like I can do whatever I want. But then I think sometimes on a subconscious level, there were some things that came up, you know, with, with my own family dynamics growing up between my mom and dad and never having an, an example of a woman out earning a man. And so there were some things for me that came up and I, I, it wasn't really within my dynamic with my husband, but it was definitely some personal stuff that I really had to be like, what, what beliefs do I hold and what do I want to be true for me? Yeah. Can I ask if you don't mind sharing, where did some of that start to show up for you? Was it as the numbers were getting higher and higher in the business? Was it realizing shifts in the roles that you two were taking on? What were some of the ways that you felt that and how did you move through it when it showed up for you? Yeah. So I've always been a person who was very much like, and this probably won't come as a surprise. I think most high achieving women have this to some extent where it's like, I wanted to be the person who carried it all. I wanted to be the person who did all the cleaning and took care of the house. And like, I can do it. And you know, it's that, it's that like modern mother, like I can be the mother and I can, I can do all of the things, even if it means sacrificing myself. And I think the belief that I really had to shift there was like, I can do all the things. I don't have to sacrifice myself and it's safe to receive support. And Mm. I think for women, it's very easy for them to receive support from a man in a very traditionally masculine way. And when the support starts coming in the form of like, actually, my husband's doing all the grocery shopping. He's doing all the cooking. He does all the laundry. And then I get off work and I'm like, you know, for the first few, few weeks, maybe even months, I was like, so what do I do? Like, what do I do? Like, what do I do with my time? You know what I mean? And then finally I was like, oh, I'm supported. I can do so much with my time. I can rest. I can recharge. I can play with my little girl. Like, this is what it feels like to be fully supported. And I think for a really long time, and I'm sure this is a common story for a lot of people, being supported like that felt like asking too much or felt too good to be true or felt like, you know, this is something that most people don't get this. I grew up in a single ho- a single parent household with a mom who worked a lot and really sacrificed herself and sacrificed a lot of her own time so that our family could be happy and healthy and together and all of the things. And I think that was a, a story I really picked up. Like if I'm not busy and I'm not always needed and I'm not always doing and I'm not always the one who's carrying it, is my place in the family valuable? Like, is it safe for me yeah. to be supported like this? And now that I've moved through it, it's like, hell yeah, my husband does the cooking and the cleaning and like, and we do so much fun stuff. And it feels so good once you are able to really lean in. And I feel like I can, I'm relating to this in my own experiences right now. Like one same thing with my mother. I'm like, she dropped 
everything. She dropped her career to raise the family and then was everything for the family and the support for her husband, my dad's business at the same time. And as you said, we, we pick up so much on that subconsciously. I'm like, well, of course, of course we did. That's what most of us probably saw from our mothers growing up because that's just how it was. But also that piece that you just said around leaning into receiving. This, if I can share, is what's really coming up for me in my business right now as the numbers are growing and growing. And I'm sitting here and I was sitting with my financial advisor the other day and I was like, I just feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like these, these can't be it. It can't be this good. And I'm happy to hear you say that because what I've been doing for my own mindset is like, you just have to take a deep breath, Emily, every time that comes up and just remind yourself that you are safe and that nothing's going to jump out and like pull the rug out from underneath you. But it's crazy how it can feel that way of like, it just feels like we can't receive this much. And I feel like that is a very inherently feminine feminine thing to take on or feminine perspective, unfortunately, not not in our most alignment, but something that society has taught us. But it's beautiful to hear that you have been able to move through that and start to really enjoy the fruits of what you've built. But I want to back up a little bit here. I want to get to know a little bit of how you got into this position you're at now where you have this beautiful multi six figure business. You are hitting 100K months. You've retired your husband. You're splitting your time in Paris a portion of the time and soon it's going to be even more. How did you get started? I saw you've shared before too, at one point you had a newborn and you were working three jobs. How do we get from there to here? What did that shift start to look like? And when did you step into the coaching industry? Yeah. So as I'm sure many of us in the industry did, I got a degree in something that I no longer even use, Um, but I was a teacher. So I had a college degree in special education. That was what I did. And I taught special education for over 10 years. And obviously that's something that is very emotionally draining, very physically draining. And I told myself that I wasn't going to become one of those teachers that just was showing up for the paycheck, right? Like when you have kids that are that vulnerable and that high need, it's like your heart has to be in it. And I told myself when it no longer was, I was going to leave, whether that was one year, whether that was 10 years, whether that was 20 years. And right around the like ninth year, I really started to feel number one, like I wanted to start my own family. And number two, like my heart wasn't in it. And I knew I had to go a different way. And so that was when I started my first business. I was doing floral design for weddings. I was able to replace my teacher's income and then more very quickly, just doing floral designs for weddings and editorials and things. I was able to quit my teaching job, work for myself, grow that business. And that was really how I got a lot of my business knowledge. So it was growing that first business. And I did that for almost two years. And then the pandemic hit. And obviously any wedding vendors, anybody who had a wedding planned during the pandemic, you know, like the rug was pulled out from underneath us. It was like all of my projected income for the next two years was just zero. I was having to refund people. And this was, I, our baby had already been born when the pandemic hit. She was very little. And it was just insane. It was like I had to file for unemployment. I ended up taking another teaching job temporarily. And in this time, I also 
I, I literally have no other words for it except like the universe gave me a breadcrumb trail into the world of coaching. It was like I started seeing paid ads, I think maybe for coaches online. And I had started to do a little bit when I had to file for unemployment and all of this stuff was going down. I had started to really look into money mindset work. And so that was, you know, the first time I had really even dipped my toe into the world of personal development or anything like that. So I had kind of started a little bit of that work, but I I still didn't know at that point that the coaching industry existed to the extent that I know it, it exists now. And it was truly, it was literally like an Instagram breadcrumb trail from the universe of just like discovering people doing it. And I, at that point, decided I was going to create my first online course and it was going to be for wedding vendors, people in the wedding industry, because that was what I knew. And so I ended up with my first coach, my first one-to-one coach. I created a course. I put it out. My very first month I had a 10K launch. And, but at that time I was working my coaching business, the weddings had opened back up. So most of my weddings that had rescheduled, I was working all of those and I had a new baby and I had a teaching job. And so it was just insane. It was insanity. (laughs) But I pushed through, right? And it was one of those things where it was like my business where I was doing courses and had started coaching other wedding vendors grew so quickly. And everybody was seeing the amount of money I was making in such a quick time and the marketing that I was doing and the way I was creating programs and courses. And I, my, my ICA kind of naturally switched. I started getting a lot of other coaches and people who wanted to do what I had done asking for mentorship. And so over just kind of that, a short amount of time, I started to really see like the skills I have are so transferable to people who are outside of the wedding industry. And that's when I started, that was like January of 2021. And that's when I kind of consider like the business that I have now was born. Wow. So January Mm -hmm. of 2021, what was the time period like between when you had to close doors on your floral business and by the, to the time where you got this course up and launched, was there a gap period in between there where you were like, what am I doing? Yes, 100%. (laughs) And that was, you know, that was when I had filed for unemployment and I had started to do some money mindset work, but it was like, it was definitely, you know, when you hear about people doing manifestation work or, you know, really about to step into a huge up level, it's like, sometimes we have that sort of dark night of the soul or rock bottom kind of moment. (laughs) And I have found that the deeper the rock bottom, the bigger the up level is about to be. And I feel like it's, you know, I've done some like healing work around this time and like gone, you know, when we do inner child work and we go back to sit with little us, like I've gone back to sit with that Katie who was like filing for unemployment in that time to just be like this rock bottom. I know it feels so deep, but like it's because it's leading to the biggest up level of your entire life. Like it's all going to be okay. Like, yeah, it was just, it was truly one of those dark moments and you don't know it at the time, but looking back, it was like, it was all happening in perfectly aligned timing. Right. It's, it's so funny when you're in one of those, it feels like the worst thing in the world. Like everything is crashing down around you. But once you're on the other side of it, you're like, Oh, now I get it. Now I I get why that happened, had to happen for me. But at the time it felt like it was happening to me and it didn't feel so good. But (laughs) sharing that in case anyone listening. Yeah. I hadn't done the work at that time. So it was like, I didn't understand energetics. I didn't understand mindset. I didn't really understand manifestation the way that I do now. 
And so the way that I can hold myself powerfully through things now, I didn't have those tools then. And so it was very, very different. It's kind of interesting for me to hear that you weren't into all of this until we're talking like 2021, which was only two years ago. Because yeah. now I'm, that's what I think of when I think of you. I'm like, oh, Katie, she's got her energetics down. Did reading, I'm assuming you read some books. That was at least my gateway into all of this. Did it feel yeah. like, oh, this is what I've been missing? Was it just an instant attraction to that kind of work? The money mindset, the manifestation, all of these things? Or were you a little skeptical of it? Both, both. So even mm-hmm. in 2021, I talk about this sometimes as like, when I first started my business, I was definitely not on board with the woo-woo yet. It had started to come (laughs) around. I had started to do some money mindset work. A little bit of it was kind of starting to come into my field. But even my first few coaches that I hired were very strategically minded. And my business in the beginning was much more strategically focused. And it has definitely grown and evolved and shifted energetically as I have. But I grew up very religious, like in a Christian household. And by the time I became a young adult, I had left the church and kind of began to develop my own beliefs about spirituality in the world. But it was definitely still kind of through a religious lens. And I think when all of this started to go down, not only was it like the financial dark night of the soul and the like, what am I doing with my life? Dark night of the soul. But it was also like, what do I believe to be true about the world? What do I believe to be true about reality? And it's like when those things are broken down, something has to come take its place. And so for me, it was really beautiful that, yes, a lot of the people I was learning from at first were very strategically minded. But just like those little breadcrumbs were left for me of like, hey, the coaching industry exists. Here's what people are doing. You can do this too. I also started to just kind of slowly be introduced to books and podcasts and people who were doing courses around mindset, energetics, manifestation, all of it. And I, as soon as I landed on it, of course, I felt skeptical because it was like, is my family going to think this is weird? Like, for, you know, my family's very religious. A lot of my friends are still very religious. No one I know really believes in this stuff. But it also felt like a coming home. Like, oh, this is what was meant to come fill that gap, you know? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say I resonate with that so deeply as well. My family also very deeply Christian. I grew up that way. Nobody understands it when I talk about it when I go back home now. So I'm like, you know what? This is for me. And that's okay. I don't need to share this with people who aren't receptive to it. But that's really beautiful. And something I've been really passionate about speaking to lately and would love to hear your perspective on this in your business is the energetics. Phenomenal. Life-changing when you learn how to integrate it into your business. However, there seems to have been this overemphasis almost placed in the coaching industry on only the energetics of business. And I think it's really beautiful that you started off in a very strategic container. And I would imagine that those have served you very deeply in your career. And I would love to hear what your perspective is on this balance between the quote unquote masculine strategies that support us in our business and also bringing in these feminine energetics and how they come together to create this life and this business that you have now. Yeah. And I feel like Obviously, I follow you on Instagram. I feel like we have very similar thoughts on this. I'm just seeing us both like nodding our heads. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think that there's a fine balance 
I think I see too many clients who come to me with lack of results because a, a coach at some point somewhere just told them, just hold the energy, just hold the energy, right? With no right. regard to strategy. I also have plenty of clients who come to me and their strategy is absolutely fine and their energetics are all out of whack and they think it's a strategy problem. And I'm like, no, actually it's an energy problem. Mm. So I think it's really, and obviously this is an individual journey for each person to find their own balance within their own business. But I think it's also our job as coaches to be able to suss out within a specific client when they're leaning too far one way or the other. But the thing I always, I literally just was talking about this with one of my clients before we got on this call. I feel like I don't actually care about teaching strategy, teaching you how to make content. Like it doesn't light me up. Teaching people how to sell doesn't light me up, but I do know that my purpose here on this earth is to teach women to create fully free, incredibly profitable lives and businesses where they can live out their own life to their truest extent of their essence and money is required for that. So it's like, yes, I want to teach you how to build a business, but I want to teach you how to create an incredibly profitable business. And I know the truth for me has been that there is more to learn than energetics. You have to have the strategy behind it. And so even if that feels boring to me and I'm like, I don't actually care about teaching you content. It's like, but you need to know it to build this business. That's going to be your gateway to freedom. And so oh, like, I'm so glad that yeah. you said that. And I'm so glad that you went there because I see this play out in so many of the coaches that I talk to as well, where I see them almost trying to step out of their field and their zone of genius and the tangible thing that they teach when they get a taste of how important this energetic side of it is, when they get a taste of how important the mindset piece is. And they're like, well, I don't want to teach whatever it is anymore. Like, I just want to be a mindset coach or I just want to shift into being a life coach. And I'm like, This is nothing against either of those disciplines, but that's actually not what you are. You harness this through the tangible thing that you teach. And for you, you're saying this tangible thing is the business and there's the strategy that comes along with it that if you want the energetics to have something to anchor into, it's got to be there and you've got to teach it. And yes, sometimes it feels like you're just putting in the reps, but that's business. Right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what it is at the end of the day. So I just wanted to underscore that there for everybody listening because I think as coaches, as we develop, we all kind of hit that place where it's like, am I just here to teach mindset? Like this is more fun. I kind of only want to play over here, but I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't burn your business down. Like you still need this so that all of the fun energetics has something to anchor on to so that people can actually utilize it and have it make sense. I think it's a really beautiful opportunity too you know, for someone like me, who's obviously knows the strategy is important to teach, but isn't necessarily lit up to teach you strategy. But it is Mm -hmm. a really beautiful opportunity for us more kind of feminine led business owners, soulful business owners, to be able to really tap into what's my unique perspective on strategy? How is it, you know, is there a way that I teach this differently? Is there something I teach here where it's like, I know you've tried all of these strategic things and they haven't worked. Here's a fresh perspective. And I think that's a really, that's a way that I've found to really bring excitement back into teaching strategy is like, what is my unique perspective? Why do I think the way I teach it is the best way? Why do I think the way that I teach it is going to land perfectly for my, for my people? Like what's my unique spin and allowing that to be the thing that drives my excitement for teaching strategy. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So 
You've mentioned a couple times in here that there were a few moments in your business where things have really quantum leaped. You said uh, Paris is like a little incubator, a portal for that. I'm curious if we can drop into some of those and just peel back the curtain a little bit for those that are listening on what do you think led to those quantum leaps? What did they look like? Were there any pivotal strategic decisions that accompanied any of them? Or were they purely energetics? Is there any wisdom you can share with us about those moments when the quantum leap happens? Yeah, absolutely. So as always, as with everything, as we were just saying, it was a mixture of strategy and energy. It was this thing where it was like I had And they haven't all been financial quantum leaps, right? Like there's been huge quantum leaps that have happened for me around my personal standards, around the way I feel and love myself, right? There's been just so many. Mm. But I think when we're talking from a business perspective around like financial quantum leaps, most of them have happened when I had a specific number in mind. I had fully and completely released the timeline and I had been doing the strategic steps to back up this quantum leap, not just for a short time, but with really serious consistency over a few months, right? Where it was like, I've released the timeline and I know this thing is coming energetically. It is done. I don't need to worry. It is. I don't need to know the how. I don't need to know the when. Energetically, it's done. I'm showing up from this place of who would I be? How would I show up? How would I feel if it were already done? What are the strategic actions that I would take? How would I hold myself? What would I do? And not even in a superficial, like, be her now, wear the outfit, do whatever, but like deep in my core, how would I feel if I knew this were done? And can I continue to hold that really beautiful high vibe energy around taking the actions, even when it hasn't shown up yet and continuing with the strategy, implementing it consistently, even when the results haven't shown up yet? Because I'm so sure that when I decide something is done for me, it's just done. And that, mm. and, the, and then releasing it, right? And being like, even if it doesn't happen for, I don't care if it happens in six months. I don't care if it happens in six years. It's coming for me. I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy with my business. I'm happy with all of the, I don't need the thing. You know, it's that releasing of yeah. that needy kind of desperate energy around it. Gratitude oh, for yes. where you are. And all of those things mixed together. It's like the perfect recipe for a quantum leap. Absolutely. So as I'm listening to you speak, I'm like, yep, okay, that tracks with what I've done in my past as well. And I'm thinking about now at this stage of business, I find if I can just be completely honest for those of you who are listening, it's easier once the ball is rolling, once momentum has built in your business to detach yourself from the timeline. Right. It's easier to drop into that trust piece of, okay, I know that this is going to happen for me. But I'm curious if you have any advice for somebody who might be listening and they're in those very early stages of their business and they're like, I want to detach from the timeline, Katie, but I need money in my bank account like yesterday. Do you have any advice for when somebody's in that place and in that space and in that mindset? Because I do think it it takes more work, but unfortunately, the answer is still the same of you do have to give yourself that space and grace and relax into it. But what tips or what advice or what have you found that worked for yourself when you were getting started around creating that sense of safety where you can drop in and you can detach from the timeline and you can trust that it's happening when maybe you don't have a whole lot of evidence for it yet? Yeah. So this is going to be kind of unconventional advice. And I feel like some people might hear it. My advice is go get a job. <laughs> like literally go I get a job. Like, go find somewhere 
something fun, like a vibey coffee shop by your house where you can have really cool employees and like really cool coworkers and you can just work a few hours and somewhere that doesn't require much energy output from you, somewhere that doesn't require, you can still come home with your creativity and your energy fresh to pour back into your business, but that's going to get the money monkey off of your back. I feel like from day one, I have had this mama bear energy around my business of protecting it from lack or scarcity vibes around money. It's like I lived too many years worrying where my next money, like for my bills was going to be worrying how many days until my paycheck, my accounts at zero. Like I spent too many years in that energy. And when I started my business, I was just fully unavailable for it. And I knew that I never want like protective of my business, just being like, that's not coming in here. Like that's not entering this business. I spent too many years there, like no more. And I luckily, because of what happened leading up to my business and then having a 10K launch, my first launch, and then my third month in business was a 40K sales month. Like I, I never went through that experience. And of course now at this point I've had income dips and I've had wobbles and whatever, but in the very beginning, that was never really the story for me. And I was lucky in that way. But this is the advice I give to clients all the time. It's like, don't let that energy come into your business. If you need a job, go get a job. You know, it's great advice. And that seems to be a theme that keeps coming up in my guest episodes. So I'm so happy that you shared it as well, because we need to be honest about that. If you don't have a sense of safety in your business, if you literally don't know how you're putting food on the table, it is really difficult to get started. It's really difficult to drop the scarcity and have an abundant money mindset when you're terrified that you're not going to be able to pay your bills. And I was reflecting on this for myself in the last couple of weeks here of, wow, if there's one thing I wish that I could go back and do differently, now I don't have any regrets. But if I just think about how it felt building my business in year one, I quit my job cold turkey. I had very little savings to lean back on because I invested over half of it into coaching right away. And I just felt that pressure like crazy in my first year of business. And did it drive me to get results quickly? Yeah, it did. But did it feel terrible? Absolutely. And did I make a lot of mistakes that I had to then go back and undo or redo the next year because I was moving way too fast? Yes, it also did. So I love that that was your answer to this because you just can't move forward if you are just constantly like I like how you said it, have the money monkey on your back. It, it adds this pressure that is really hard to escape. And I think there's no shame in getting a job, but I like the piece of advice that you threw in there too, like something that doesn't take a lot of your time. Something that doesn't take a lot of mental energy that you so you can still devote what you want to to your business, but just relieve some of that pressure. Right. Yeah. And it's always different, too, because this really changed. This outlook really changed for me when I became a mother. Like, I think, you know, Mm. for women who are single and maybe they're much younger and, you know, not being able to like having to script by for a few months might be okay. Maybe that's okay for some people in specific scenarios, but. You know, a lot of my clients are moms and they do have children to provide for and, you know, they have spouses or partners. And it's like when you get to a place like that where actual financial safety is, is incredibly important, it's a real paradigm shift around like gone are the carefree days of like, it's okay, you know, like I'll script mine, I'll make my bills. It's like, And that for me, I think is why I've built my business to be so strong with monthly recurring revenue 
And that was what my nervous system needed was like, I need to be able to look six, eight, 10, 12 months and see lots of really solid recurring revenue coming in to really be able to kind of prop up my nervous system around that financial safety. Yeah. If you don't mind sharing, and I know everybody's answer to this question is going to be different. There's a million right ways to build your business, but for people who might be curious, what does your business model look like now? What do you have set up in place? What are the core pillars of your business that allow you to have this kind of freedom and this kind of recurring revenue coming in? Yeah. So we'll start from the top and move down. So I have my highest level offers, which are my one-to-ones. I have a few tiers of this ranging anywhere between like 1000 a month into 4000 a month. And I only take a specific hand few, like handful of clients, just very few at this level. I believe in deep support for my one-to-one clients and I don't like to overload myself. It's like a very special container for me. I have mm-hmm. a high level mastermind and in the past year, I've really started focusing on 12 month contracts. That's been a mm-hmm. really big shift. And I actually, I recorded a podcast episode on this yesterday where it was like, when I shifted that, so many things in my life and my business shifted that has done wonders for my monthly recurring. I'm curious, did anything come up for you around making that shift and having the contracts be longer? Like, was there anything triggering for that in you of being able to receive and hold that space for a longer container? Yes, 100%. (laughs) I'm imagining like, I think I would. So it was one of those things where I, I had never thought of this. I had never even, it had never occurred to me, like there could be people in my world who want to pay me for 12 months, who want to be a private client for 12 months. And it, this is like just a testament to the power of proximity within mentorship. My mentor at the time was promoting 12 month boxer spots. And when I saw, and she, we didn't coach about it. We didn't talk about it. I just saw it on her Instagram and I was like, oh. I can do that. And so it was one of those moments where it was like, you just needed an expander. You just needed permission. And so I just put together a 12 month boxer container. I put it out and this was over a year ago now when I first opened it. And within 48 hours, they were all three spots were filled all by my current private clients who were just like, our contract is coming to an end or mastermind clients, people who had been with me high level who were like, of course we want a year. Like this is a no brainer. And I think I didn't have any of the fears come up until after everybody was like, yep, yep, yep. And then I was like, (laughs) oh, "Oh, like now I have people in here, like what's coming up? (laughs) And I, (laughs) you know, I think everyone has this where it's that thing of like, well, what if they don't get incredible results within a year? What if halfway through the contract, they want to leave? What if, what if, what if, what if, right? And it was really an opportunity and an invitation for me to anchor into my power and to really think about who I want to be as a mentor, how I want to show up, what I want the expectations for my client relationships to be. And it truly changed the game for the way I see myself as a mentor and the way I hope to attract clients in a way that feels non-transactional. Not like Mm. I pay you and I get this result. It's like I see my clients for the fullness of who they are as a human and they see me in my fullness of who I am as a human and we want to do a year of life together. And that for me was a huge shift. And from there, I've expanded my year-long contracts 
And I have quite a few one-to-ones who were on year. I have a few one-to-ones who are going on their third year. They've already wow. signed for year three. So it's just, it's been a huge shift for me and for my nervous system to be able to look that far in the future and to see that much monthly recurring revenue coming from those 12 month contracts and knowing the clients that it's coming from or clients that I want to be with for that long makes all the yeah, difference. Absolutely. Thank you for going on that little tangent and sharing. Cause I think that's so important to hear, but we had just gotten through the mastermind and we're working our way down. Mm-hmm. High level mastermind. I cap it at eight. It's a beautiful space. They can pay over six months. They can pay over 10 months. I give them an extended option, which for me feels really supportive because that's obviously growing my monthly recurring as well. And for the clients, it feels really supportive, gives them better access. And then this is brand new. This is actually, there have has been a huge pivot in my business model in the past two weeks. So wow. I just released something called The Experience, which is currently like the the number one way you can jump into my world if you're not ready for high level. I removed all of my lower level group coaching calls. So I don't do any group coaching at all anymore. The only face-to-face access anybody gets with me is either in a mastermind or a one-to-one. And the experience is basically all of my courses and programs that I have in my entire product suite over the course of a year. So you can obviously buy my programs and courses as I launch them. You know, most of them are between 200 and and $1,000. They're all kind of more self-paced courses. I launch about one per month, sometimes one every other month. But then you can also choose to do the experience where you get the whole month with me or the whole year with me, which is also a higher ticket investment. Mm-hmm. And... But it's also half. It's half of what you would pay if you were to buy each course individually. So it's like a no-brainer. But it's also 12 months of recurring revenue. So, you know, when talking about like building your business around your dream life, it was like, I don't want to be on a million and one calls. I actually don't want to do group coaching calls anymore. Like, how can I eliminate this? I actually want more payment plans coming in over 12 months. How can I create this? I want that monthly recurring so I can plan vacations and trips and longer stays in Paris without having to worry about, oh my gosh, I have to make money before I go. Or it was really just looking at like, what do I want my life to look like? Can I make a full embodied decision that I get to have that no matter what? And then can I build my business around that? I think that's beautiful. And the question comes up all the time in coaching containers and even just online of how do I create more reoccurring revenue in my business? And I think the answer lies in what you just said of you do it intentionally. You look forward and you see how can I make this more accessible in terms of payment plans for people? Where can I create a model where they're, they are paying me monthly for something or they're paying me on an ongoing basis? And then you design really good products around that model in mind. Like that really is how you do it. You just have that in mind when you design your things. And so it's great to hear you explain all of that. And even just you can hear it in your voice, the amount of safety that that creates for you, which is the dream. It's what we're all working towards, right? I'm so curious. What does a day in your working life look like now? Imagine you have a lot of space. (laughs) I do have so much space. It's so good. (laughs) I typically work about 20 hours a week, sometimes less. And I don't really have any kind of a structured schedule. I have my daily non-negotiables, things that I do every day. I have my weekly non-negotiables. But based on 
the amount of calls I have based on what's going on with my little girl, based on lots of different factors. I kind of arrange my day around it, but I can share my non-negotiables with you. Yeah, I'd love to hear them. Daily non-negotiables. Number one for me is movement, sunshine, pouring into myself. That's like one of my biggest, if I don't have that, I'm not showing up as my best self. And that's for me, like the biggest way that I get burned out is if I'm not showing up, I don't have my own back. And Mm -hmm. then I'm obviously not serving anyone powerfully. So that's my number one non-negotiable content. I'm one of those people who thinks I should be creating or thinks everybody should be creating content every day. I think the only reason, and this is going to sound kind of harsh, but I think the only reason people get hung up on I can't create content every day is if they're overcomplicating content. Like, keep it really simple, yeah. keep it really doable. And if it's simple and it's easy, my content takes me maybe 30 minutes. And so it's like, do you have 30 minutes in your day? Can you let this be simple? That consistency is going to be everything. And so content is a non-negotiable for me. Selling on my stories every single day doesn't have to be face to camera. Half the time, my work day is like in my fluffy robe, in my bed with my face mask on. Like I'm not going face to camera, (laughs) but I'm selling every day. It doesn't matter. And then my weekly non-negotiables, a podcast episode, at least one email, and then any kind of program creation that I'm working on. Are you guys hearing how simple this is? (laughs) I'm like, this is beautiful, just the simplicity and the space of all of it. But so much of this really is anchored in by your ability to trust and receive. I think a lot of people go crazy when there's this amount of space and they're like, how do I fill it? I must I must have to be doing more. <laughs> like I have to be doing more if I want this to continue the way it's been and if I want things to be good. And I feel like we almost even block our success sometimes by forcing ourselves to be on this hamster wheel of just doing things. So it's beautiful to hear that you have stepped off of it. That's something that I say all the time to my clients is like the universe isn't going to break you. It's not going to give you something you can't hold. And so if you want to receive more, you have to be living, breathing, walking, talking proof that you have space to hold more. And I think when we busy ourselves and get on the hamster wheel and we're continuing to buy into these unhelpful truths of like, I have to do more to make more, or I have to be more perfect, or I have to work hard in order to be successful. And so we're just mindlessly and manifesting mindless ways to fill that time, because that's the the story that we hold as truth. That's when we are, we're blocking ourselves because the universe is like, you're already about to break with what you have. I'm not giving you more. Oh, so true. And that's been yeah, like, why would I hand you more? It's, gonna break you. it's not going to break you. Like you have to be regulated and calm and you have to have spaciousness in order to be able to receive more. What a good reminder. Okay. So my last question that came up was right around what you started to say around content. Cause you just made a post on this and I think I gave you an all caps lock. Like I agree with this post in <laughs> response to it, <laughs> your perspective. It was something around how there's a big difference between creating content that performs well with the algorithm and creating content that sells and which one do you care about posting? And so I would just love to hear what your philosophy is overall about content for your business and for your brand and how you create in a way that sells, but also, like you said, is very simple for you to create. Any nuggets of wisdom you have around that? Yeah. So, and I feel like you and I could go on a riff about this for like three hours. So (laughs) we'll keep it, we'll keep it short and sweet, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, you know, for me, 
I think people truly do overcomplicate their content. I think they overthink it. I think people get this idea in their mind of like, I have to solve every single one of my dream clients problems in this one post. I think people get really in their head around that, like need, like needy energy of like, I have to create a, a, a post today in this sea of content with all of these other coaches that's going to make me stand out, like pick me, choose me. And I think all of these things get in our way of creating really simple, really potent, really powerful content that's actually going to make us money versus trying to get caught or trying to just create content that's going to bring us more and more and more, more followers, more likes, more shares. And I think that comes from a place of feeling like you're not being chosen, feeling like you're not being seen. And, you know, for me, I had my first 100K sales month when I had 1500 Instagram followers. Like I did not have a big audience. I literally created a whole course about it. Like it comes down to creating really simple content that's going to speak to your ideal client, not trying to call in everybody in the world because you're trying to fill some hole within yourself with numbers on your Instagram account. But Mm -hmm. like, what does your ideal client need to hear? And I think more than that, what is your magic? What is your sparkle? What is the thing? Like people don't buy things. People buy from people that they want to buy from. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course my programs are great. Of course what I say in my programs is great. My marketing is great. So is yours. But like people don't buy from me because of the thing I said on my sales page. They buy from me because of me. They buy from you because they see you and they're like, oh my God, Emily, like whatever her magic is, I want to be closer to that. And I think when we can allow the topics of our content to remain really simple and be the thing our ideal client needs to hear, is that like, oh my God, how did you get into my head kind of moment? And at the same time, allow our magic and to be the person people want to buy from to come through. That's like the magic sauce around creating magnetic money-making content. Yeah. And it is so true. We buy from people we resonate with. We buy from people who feel like, we align with how they're doing their life and how they're showing up and how they're saying things and such massive permission, I think, for so many people listening to hear that you had your first six-figure sales month when you had 1,500 followers. I know so many people right now that I, they're just sitting here and they've been beating themselves up trying to grow that number past that, but you just gave so much permission of you can have everything you want right here. Like 1,500 people is plenty for you to make probably more money than you're dreaming of right now. So that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing your perspective on it with all of us. I agree. We could do a whole other podcast episode just on that. (laughs) But I thought of one other question I want to ask you. So this is the for real last question. (laughs) With all of the space and time that you have now, what is your favorite thing that you are doing outside of business with that time? Mm, Okay. Can I give a few? I have a few favorite things. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Our home. I love our home. I truly feel that your external environment is a reflection of your internal environment. We bought this beautiful house. We've basically fully renovated it. It's over a hundred years old. I love gardening. I spend a lot of time outside in my garden. I have tons of flowers and all kinds of things. And my little girl loves to garden. So we get out there together and get our hands in the dirt and do home projects just to really beautify our space and make it really feel like ours. And I love interior design and I love creating 
really well-crafted spaces inside and out. So I'd say that's my number one kind of thing is I just, I love that. Yeah. And I'm learning French. So that's another thing for me that I'm working on becoming someone who doesn't go to France and just has to use my Franglish to get by. (laughs) And that's, I mean, as a person who never learned a second language as a child and like whose brain doesn't work. I know for, you know, children who learn second languages when they're in elementary school and they grow up with, you know, bilingual parents, it's like they're the actual, their actual brain is different. Right. And so for me, as I'm 36, I've never learned another language. It's a challenge. And so that's been something that's really beautiful because business of course has its ups and downs, but it's always come kind of naturally to me. And so putting myself in a position where I feel like, oh, I'm not naturally good at this. I'm not naturally picking this up. This isn't naturally flowing for me. I have to really intentionally choose to put myself into a place where I'm a beginner every single day has been really cool. The easiest place to find me is on Instagram at the Katie Stewart, K-A-T-Y-S-T-U-A-R-T. You can also go to my website, um, katiestewart.com. And those will be the easiest two places to find me. Thank you so much. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. 3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.